welcome and thanks for tuning in to real people real talk relevant conversations that take you from surviving to thriving this is the podcast that goes there my name is paul calco and i'm your host now let's talk thank you so much for tuning in and listening today we're diving right into the content so my guest today is a texas tech graduate and the founder of the Christian Law Christian Trial Law Association. He has many awards, including the 2018 Trial Lawyer of the Year and named one of the 25 greatest lawyers of the past quarter century. He wrote several books, including Christianity on Trial. And I want to leave that in the show notes. You do want to check that out. But most importantly, Mark is a humble, generous husband and father. Um, so I just want to say welcome to the show, my brother in Christ and fellow church member, Mark Lanier. Hey, Paul, what an honor to get to be on your show. You do a great job. You serve the kingdom well, and uh, I appreciate uh, this opportunity to visit with you. Thank you, Mark. You are so kind. And so we're jumping right in. What do people often get wrong about you as a lawyer and as um, as a as a millionaire? And I know you're so much more than that, but that's like the the, the titles that get people attention. So talk to me. Yeah, I'm not sure I would have picked that title. Um, I, I like to think of myself as uh, someone, uh, not not a millionaire. I like to think of myself as someone who's flat broke, doesn't have a thing in the world, but God has loaned me some resources and told me to put them to use. And so he's got everything. And and some of it uh, is, is my responsibility right now. And I want to try and figure out what to do with it. And I think if anybody's got something wrong about me, a misperception out in the legal world and, and other places. It, it's that um, so much of this world is done for us to gain ourselves. Uh, so many of us are trying to figure out how to gain friends, how to gain power, how to gain money, how to gain influence, how to gain prestige, how to gain things that make us feel complete or make us feel good about who we are. And, and I've learned in this world that instead what I need to do is zealously look to give. You know, it's, it's that, that proverbial concept Jesus said that unless this uh, piece of grain falls into the ground and, and in a sense is, is destroyed by the ground, that the, the seed doesn't bear the fruit and it doesn't come up into the plant and it doesn't become what it needs to become. And, and those who seek their life will lose it, but those who seek to lose their life will gain it. And so uh, I try real hard in the practice of law. I try real hard uh, in the practice of life and, and exercise of faith to grow in an understanding that my goal here is not to accumulate and to get for me or for anything else. My goal here is to serve the Lord. That is awesome, man. I feel like um, every Christian can can learn that, like living life and not what we can get, but what we can give and just be faithful in what God has allowed us to steward over. And so as a lawyer, let's go back in memory, down memory lane. Do you remember what it felt like to win your biggest case? And then that begs the question, what was your biggest case? Wow. So <clears throat> I get asked this a lot and my answers change a little bit. Because it's the question of what people want. You know, in some ways, I think my biggest case, though, at this point in life was one I tried in St. Louis a couple of years ago. We, I represented 22 women who had ovarian cancer 
and that's a terrible, terrible cancer, and and it's a deadly cancer. And these women had contracted their ovarian cancer by a, 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 a large usage of Johnson's baby powder. And um, baby powder, we figured out, uh, was that the, they made it in two ways, but the kind that was made with talcum powder was contaminated with asbestos. And asbestos is a well-known cause of ovarian cancer. And when we found that out uh, through testing and research and all, uh, we took it to trial in front of a jury. A jury hit uh, Johnson & Johnson for, for a, a large award to, to let the world know. And the media picked up on it. And ultimately, J&J pulled that product from their shelves in the U.S. and Canada. Doesn't make it anymore. And, and so we look at that as a chance we had to do something that not only helped those 22 women, but will help hundreds of thousands of people in the future because uh, they, they won't uh, be putting asbestos into their bodies. That's amazing. Talking about using um, impact and influence um, as a lawyer. And I feel like my goal is to, to, you know, to reach everybody with the gospel, but specifically I feel called to those in their twenties and their thirties and one of the things that, you know, is always on the top of their mind is career and how do you navigate career and ministry? And I, I, one of the messages I want to share with the people is like, you don't have to be a staff person, a church staff or a pastor or a quote unquote missionary to do ministry. And so that with that in mind, Mark, how do you live out your faith in your career and what does it even look like as a lawyer? Well, it's interesting because, um, when I was a young lawyer and when I was in my 20s, uh, I worked for a gentleman who would, in fact, I, he was in the Sunday school class I taught at church. He, he went to church and all, but he called me into his office one day, Paul, and he made me sit down on his sofa <clears throat> and he said, I have a complaint about you. And I said, yes. And he said, um, he said, Mark, there are 60,000 people, lawyers, doing what we do in Texas. He said, out of those, there are only five that are A-plus lawyers. And he named them. He was one of them, and rightfully so. He said, right now, you're a young fella. You're a B-minus. He said, but you will never be more than a B-plus lawyer if you don't change one thing about your practice. If you'll change this one thing, you might be able to be an A plus lawyer, but if you don't, you'll never be more than a B plus. And I said, okay, what, what is it? You know, I wanted to know, I want my career to be good. He said, you put your family and you put your faith before you put your job Wow. and your job's your third priority. And he said, it needs to be your first priority. He said, my daughter's 13. I've never been to one of her birthday parties because I worked to pay for those parties. And if you don't learn to put your job in front of your family and your faith, you're never going to be an A-plus lawyer. The best you'll ever be is a B-plus lawyer. He said, do you understand what I'm telling you? And I answered honestly. I said, yes, I understand what you're saying. He said, all right, get back to work. And I remember walking down the, the hall from his office to mine singing in my soul. This is so cool. I can be a B plus lawyer 
and still have a family and a faith. And I was just so excited. I didn't care if I was going to be an A plus, if I could be a B plus, because I knew the priorities were right. I knew if you don't put your faith in your family and, and God tells you in your faith to put your family first because your faith is, is involved in everything you do. But, right. but if, if you don't put your family and your faith before your career, your career will never be successful if you're measuring success properly. Success properly is not who's king of the hill or queen of the hill. Success properly is, am I using this job and career opportunity to be light in the world, to be salt among the culture, and to, to, to bring God's kingdom into more obvious front? I mean, am, am I using it for him? And that's real success. So that's, that's my, my speech I give. <laughs> and I love that because I feel like the church, we need to redefine success and share that with the world because oftentimes in society it's about the zeros in your account or the type of car that you drive but true success at least for the believer it should be how well are we serving the lord how well are we serving the family are we being faithful and obedient to the great commission so i'm so glad that you brought that up because success if we keep you know running out of those things horizontally um would never be fulfilled. We only fulfill with Jesus Christ, but off my soapbox. And so with all that you have to do, I just want to talk about time management because um, the goal of this podcast is to take people from surviving to thriving. I want them to be the best that they can be um, and all that God has called them to be. And so how do you get it all done in one day? How do you do it? Do you have a morning routine or a night routine? Talk to me. Well, I do. I In, in the morning, I try to spend some time with the Lord. Um, uh, it's, it's very important to me. It gives balance to my day. Um, I I have, uh, uh, learned in in fact, uh, five days a week, I record a video thought for the day, uh, that, that's, uh, got YouTube followers out the wazoo. It's just four to five minutes. It's, it's an effort to try and help other people focus with some of what I try to focus on in my quiet time and bring that, uh, uh, out to others. And, and so, uh, uh, I, I start that way. Uh, I am very careful with my time. Um, I believe that time is, is in, in some ways the ultimate enemy because you, you can't hit a rewind button. When that minute is gone, it's gone forever. When that day is gone, it's gone forever. And I have found with time that the days can be long that the years fly by. And so when you're in the middle of a day, it can just seem to go on forever and ever. But, but when, when you look back, I mean, where does the time go? It just goes so quick. And so um, I live very consciously aware of each moment. The psalmist says, Lord, give me a heart of wisdom. Teach me to number my days. The idea that we're acutely aware of time is a, is, is, is a wise way to live. So I try to do emails um, in lump sums. I'll say, okay, now I'm going to address emails and then they'll be okay for a couple of hours. If someone needs me, they can text me, but, but I can then move over and do project A, project B. I'm big on lists. Um, I'll make lists of things I need to do today, things I need to do this week, things I need to do this month. Um, I need a, uh, 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 to, to be acutely aware of 
you know, some projects are too big to be done and you put them on your list and you think, oh, I can't do that. It's just too big for me right now. So I've learned that, that anything that's too big to be done is actually not one project. It's many projects because there are different steps that need to be done. So I may not be able to get the whole thing done today, but if I can do one step, that's great. It's kind of like if you want to clean out your closet and all your drawers, you don't have time to do it and it's just too big of a project. Just say, today I'm going to clean out my sock drawer. And if you just clean out one little bit and you do one little bit each day, pretty soon you've got a massive project done. So I, I'm, a, I'm a time freak. I pay attention to those things. Uh, I, I try not to waste a, a moment of the day because I can't get it back. Yeah, from a distance, I kind of picked that up on you that you was very time conscious. And so for the listener, it kind of goes back to the, the old adage about how do you eat an elephant? You, you take one bite at a time. And break up those huge projects into smaller ones. And then I also sense in, in what you were saying, you got to be very intentional with your day and intentional with your time as well. So, yeah. so, no, no question. In fact, you know, I'm sitting here in my library office and, and just right behind me, not knowing you were going to ask this question, manage your day, build your routine, find your focus and sharpen your creative mind. Uh, I've got multiple books right back here on on that very issue. I mean, this is stuff that I read about all the time. And so, yeah, I'm, I've got these. I do that. <laughs> I love this. That's so cool how God orchestrates it. And I'm going to have to send a follow-up email and get the title of those books because I like to be as time conscious as possible. Here's my latest one that I'm reading. What's best next? It's, it's um, by Matt Perman. And it's basically, you know, how do you decide what God wants you to be doing with your time? What's the best thing you can be doing and how can you best do it? Because what we got to think about is, you know, we're children of God, right? So mm-hmm. let's say I take my, my, one of my children and I say, uh, and mine are old now. So, so I, my example may be driving, but you, you've often got a younger audience. And so let's take a, an eight-year-old kid. And you say to the eight-year-old kid, I need you to go out to the car and I need you to bring back for me my computer. I left it in the car. Can you do that for me? The eight-year-old kid says, sure. And the eight-year-old kid goes out and does lots of wonderful things, but doesn't bring you your computer. And comes back in and says, aren't you proud of me? Look at all of the good things I did. I read a book. I made phone calls. You know, I texted some a friend who was in need. I did all these. And, and you sit there as a parent and say, oh, that's wonderful. But did you bring my computer? Because that's what I needed you to do. And, and, and oh, no, but I did other things that were good. Well, yeah, but I charged you with that responsibility. I needed that. Can you please go do what I needed you to do? And God, in the same way, gives us good works. He says in Ephesians 2, uh, good works to prepare ahead of, that he's prepared ahead of time for us to walk in them. And heaven forbid we say, yeah, but we did all these other wonderful things. And God's saying, yeah, but I ask you to do this. And that's what I needed you to do. So I don't know. I try to live real uh, uh, conscious, trying to figure that stuff out. Not perfect at it by a long shot, but I try to. Right. And, and that were and as you were speaking about, that reminds me of Colossians four or five. It said, behave wisely towards outsiders. And here's the kicker, making the best use of your time. Yep. Exactly. Got it. And I'm, I'm 31. And so like the older I get, I'm like, man, I look back and like, I'm really in my 
thirties. I can remember vividly being in high school, vividly being in college students. I'm reminded of it every Thursday night when I do a college Bible study that I'm no longer um, a college student. And so you are so right. We must make the best use of every moment. And to the listener, I know we're in 2020 and it has been a tough year. And I know that's an understatement, but God is in the turnaround business. And so um, you, this is still your year to be and do all that God has called you to be and do. And the thing like to the listener, God probably has been stirring something in your heart and you've been putting it off. Like I don't have the right connections. I don't have the right equipment. And I just want to encourage you to start now. Like Nike says, just do it. Like I felt the Lord stirring in my heart, not to get on too much of a tangent, but to start this podcast. And I didn't have the fanciest equipment. I still don't. Um, I didn't have a studio. I still don't. And you know what? I was like, just start now it reminds me of the when jesus fed five thousand plus and i think it was only um two fish and five loaves and jesus like bring me what you have if you give god what you have he can bless that and multiply to do what he needs you to do that was just a quick sermonette and back to the (laughs) back to the episode and so mark i'm curious to know you're very interesting um um, person i was like really almost struggling like what do i want to ask him in this in time allotted so tell me your greatest joy and also your biggest fear. Just want to dig deep. All right. Um, my greatest joy <clears throat> has got to be, um, you know, yeah, the, the pious answer is my greatest joy is walking in the will of the Lord and feeling like he is, is um, pleased. Um, from a more human angle, my greatest joy is my family. We got five kids. We got three grandkids. I'm, I'm married to my best friend. We've spent our married life investing in our marriage so that it's it never became something that was just dry and, and a haunted memory. Um, uh, it's 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 grown and and continues to thrive and and just gets richer and better and better. Um, I, my children are just great joys in my heart. Now, my my biggest fear. Um, I, I I don't know. Um, I don't fear that much about the world. You know, the coronavirus doesn't really scare me that much. Um, uh, I had an older Christian brother say to me one time when when our um, we we were headed to Dallas for a hearing and we were on an airplane and the airplane broke down and we weren't able to make the hearing and I thought it was such an important hearing and I was very concerned about it. And this older Christian brother I was traveling with looked at me and he said, hey, when that engine quit, do you think it surprised God? And I said, well, no. He said, that's always when I get scared. If something surprises God, I figure I need to be afraid. But as long as God's not surprised, I don't need to be afraid. And I really thought, what great insight. And, and so Corona, all the stuff that's going on in the world, I don't really fear it because Corona did not surprise God. Right. God's not surprised by any of this stuff. So I fear he's got it under control. So my biggest fear is just when I take my eyes off him, because if I take my eyes off him, I start seeing all the shadows that are scary. But if I'm looking at the light, you don't see shadows when you're looking at the light. And so uh, I just need to keep my eyes on him. And uh, he's got that love for me that dispels all fear. That was deep. My response to that would be Salah. And for those that don't know what Salah is in the Bible, just like you 
kind of pause and just marinate on what's what just been spoken. And so I know that, you know, the title of this episode was Life Lessons from a Millionaire. And, you know, we kind of deal with the, the clickbait culture. And so I just wanted to capture attention, but really I could have easily renamed it a conversation with an inter- interesting man that loves the Lord and loves his family and is serious about his faith. And so just with your mark, with your success and your influence, I'm just really intrigued to know how do you keep your ego in check? Uh, that's easy. <laughs> um, focus on God. I tell you, you know, I, I, you don't see me cause I'm just sitting out there, but I see you Sunday mornings up, uh, uh, uh on the dais making announcements or praying us in or welcoming guests and all of this kind of stuff, Paul. Um, we go to church and we don't go to church for business connections. And we don't go to church cause we're bored and don't have anything to do on a Sunday morning. We go to encounter God yeah. and to seek to praise him. And my belief is if you come into the presence of the almighty God and you understand who he is to the ability that you can, it, it, it is an humbling experience. Um, the, the, my richest gain, there's an old hymn that says my richest gain, I count, but loss and poor contempt on all my pride. And the name of that song is when I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of glory died, my richest gain, I count, but loss and poor contempt on all my pride. And then it's got this verse were the whole realm of nature mine. That were a present far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my life, my soul, my all. And that's the kind of God we've got. And anybody who doesn't experience some measure of good humility in their life, just needs to get in front of the mighty, awesome God. Because once you do, you realize, man, I got nothing. I bring nothing. He doesn't need me. I mean, we don't talk about uh, my, my friend, uh, uh, in fact, uh, used to be pastor at our church, uh, uh, David Fleming, mm-hmm. was talking the other night about the aseity of God. And aseity is a, is a fancy theological word, but what it basically means is God doesn't need us. Now, we, we think God needs us. That's silly. That's us humans thinking. God doesn't need you. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need our worship. He is totally complete within himself. He did not create us to get something. He created us to give to us out of his abundant love. So so if you begin to understand who God is, then it, it really puts into perspective who we are. And nobody, no human being has any right to be arrogant or proud or haughty and 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 we should all humbly seek his face. Man, such a wealth of knowledge and and wisdom. And I know for me on a, on a different level, what helps me keep my ego in check. Anytime something you know exciting or that would be considered successful will, ha- successful will happen. And you know, if I have a certain air by myself, my wife would just give me that look, and I know what that look means. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, Paul, pipe it down. And and it goes back <laughs> to what you said. Remember that God doesn't need us. Like anything that I'm doing, He could easily choose somebody else to, to do it. And so it's a humble um, thing to know that God chooses to use me in spite of me. And so outside of knowing Jesus, Jesus Christ, because I feel like that's the most important choice that any person can make because it impacts your now and your later. Um, the sooner you know him, the better off you'll be. But outside of knowing Jesus, what is one life lesson you wish that everybody will learn? 
Well, it would be closely related. Um, uh, learn to memorize his word. Just sew up within yourself. So I, I can speak enough Spanish to order in a restaurant, but my wife, Becky, is fluent in Spanish. She can think in Spanish. She lived uh, in Argentina as an adult uh, for a year. I mean, she, she, her brain can think in Spanish. Well, in that way, I want to be literate in Scripture. I want to be fluent in Scripture. I want to have memorized so much Scripture that I think in terms of Scripture. And so when something triggers a thought in my mind, it's a scriptural thought that it triggers. The scripture is the word of God, and it's powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, and it's able to divide between, you know, the the, the deepest places of a human heart, our bones. And, and so I want to know the Bible, uh, 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 the word of God, and I want it to be active and, and part of my daily life. And I think that that is one of the greatest things that people can do. Uh, uh, and yes, it's a spiritual thing like knowing Jesus, but, but it's, it, it, it is the food, the sustenance of God's nourishment to my soul. And I want to know it so deep. I think in terms of Bible. I, I love that. And that's something that as believers, we need to be continuously soaking ourselves in God's word. So we can just, ooze out of us as we're doing ministry and we're going about our lives. And so lastly, before we transition to the lightning round, just with this pandemic in, in mind, this COVID-19 that we're dealing with, people being laid off and furloughed and economic uncertainty, and just wanted to, to hear your thoughts. And if you could just give the listener as your best financial tips. Okay. Um, uh, first of all, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. That's scripture. Because wherever you're working and whatever you're doing, you do it the best you can. Number two, honor God with the first fruits of your 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 labor. Um, that's true in times of wealth. It's also true in times of poverty. And it's a recognition that everything you've got belongs to the Lord. Number three, pray as if everything depends on God. So you just pray it. Like nothing's going to happen unless God moves heaven and earth. But then number four, behave like God says it's all up to you in this sense. You, you don't just sit back and pray for God to give you a job, for God to send you money in the bank or, or in the mail. Don't, you know, don't just pray about it. But God gave you a brain. He gave you uh, a body and he gave you opportunities and, and finding a job is a numbers game. You may have to try for 100 jobs before you get one. And the moral to that is then try for 200 so you have a choice between two jobs. I mean, it's it. you've got to get out there and be aggressive. But when you do it, you don't do it out of panic. You do it knowing that's how God wants you to be and that God has it under control. So you're praying it and trusting God but you're acting upon your prayers and you're acting upon your faith, knowing that God has given you that ability and that chore to go out there and to be responsible uh, with your gifts and your talents. And then ultimately uh, everything's going to be okay. It, it is. We have that promise. 
Ooh, this is one of the episodes that I'm personally going to go back and listen to. There were just so many like wisdom nuggets. And you said something. I'll just respond briefly because, I mean, I got to have you back on. But a lot of times we say that we're waiting on God, but God is really waiting on us. And you got it. Exactly. Faith without works is that you gave the right uh, metaphor. Like if you're looking for if you want a job, don't just don't just only pray about it, but you got to do the applications or one of my prayer requests is Lord, help me to to lose weight. But I don't just stop at that prayer. I went out and invested my money and bought an elliptical. I said, then you put it together by the time it's recording. But I had to make an action step. We are partners with God. God, we cannot do God part and God will not do um, our parts. We are partners with God. God has a part and we have a part. But that's another sermon for another day. And so it is time for the lightning round where my guest, Mr. Mark Lanier, is going to answer the following questions in 30 seconds or less. Are you ready, Mark? I am ready. Put me in, coach. I can play. Let's do it. Number one, what is, and it's funny that you, I think you already answered this, but number one, what is your definition of success? My definition of success is walking in the plans that God has for me with joy and love growing in the fruit of the spirit as I find his will. And number two, what are three things you, you just can't live without? Oh, uh, number one, my family. Uh, uh, number two, my church family, which is my faith. And, and number three, I love to eat. I have to be real careful because I don't want to get, you know, I, I've, I've had to lose weight. It's a struggle for me, but my love language is food. Amen. And lastly, how can people go from surviving to thriving? Easy. Tap into the power, Greek word dunamis. Uh, It's the ability to get things done. Tap into the power of God. It's strong enough to resurrect Jesus from the dead. It can take your life from survival to thrival. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And so, Mark, thank you so much for joining the show today. Hey, Paul, it's a great joy, brother. And you keep doing what you're doing for the Lord. You're changing lives uh, uh, by, by fulfilling God's plans for you. And it's a joy for me to get to be a part and also just to get to hear from you. Thanks, Mark. I'm going to have to find a sub uh, for my college ministry life group so I can come over and visit um, your life group. Because I remember um, seeing you preach on stage and I just love just how your your way of, of doing that and with the PowerPoint and just very, all that to say, like I was taking notes as a, as a seminary trained pastor. I was taking notes. And so to the Thanks, listener. Brother. Yes, most definitely. Thank you, man. And to the listener, thank you for listening. I don't take it for granted. You could be listening to any other person, podcast, YouTube. I am very grateful and I hope and pray that you not only survive, but you thrive. But one favor, I would ask if you could text this, text the link to this podcast or screenshot it and send it to a couple of friends and invite them to take a listen. If this has added value to your life, I would really appreciate it. Now go and be all that God has called you to be.